Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Ag PhD Field Day today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks a lot for joining us. We've got a live audience here today. If you've got a question, just raise your hand and we'll, uh, we'll call on you. Uh, we really appreciate you being here today. This is something that we do just once a year. It's just a one-day deal, but we put it on just to say thanks to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio and watching us on Ag PhD TV. We really appreciate that. So we've been doing the field day for probably 20 years now or so, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. One of the things that I like the best is just getting the opportunity to talk to farmers from all over the country, and we have a lot of people from foreign countries that even come down. Uh, just last year, it was kind of funny, one of the first people I ran into as I was going around the field day site was a farmer from Canada, and he goes, yeah, I, I was worried I was going to get across the border because, you know, the COVID thing and the, you couldn't cross and stuff. And I got to the border and the guard was giving me a hard time and everything. And he, he didn't think he was going to let me through. And finally, he's like, well, what are you going down for anyway? And he said, well, I'm going to the Ag PhD field day. Well, as it turns out, that guard was a farmer. And he goes, I've always wanted to go to that thing. Go ahead. You're good. So anyway, now you know how to cross the border. You just tell them you're coming to Ag PhD. You got to get the right the right guard, right? At, at the right <laughs> spot. Uh, well, it's, it's fun. This morning I was just chatting with some guys from uh, Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and talking about dry weather and hot weather. And it's been that kind of summer. We've been a little on the dry side here too, which the crops look really good. We're, we're doing okay. We, we aren't complaining about anything, but uh, it's certainly been a warm summer. And here we go. We luck out on the Ag PhD field day. We get literally the best weather day of the entire year. We get 50s in the morning. We get 70s in the day. It's just a perfect day to be out in the field uh, the whole way through. So it'll be a real fun day of learning. We've got a lot of new things, too, at the field day this year. And I, I was chatting with Guy just before I came on stage. He said, I, I know I've been coming at least 10 years. I think it might be 12 years in a row now we've been here at the field day. And he said, there's always something new that I'm learning. And I, I was thinking about it, you know, as we, we look out in the field, uh, we've got some crops we've never had before. We, have th we, we not only have mint, uh, we have three different kinds of mint. And you're like, what? I didn't even know there were three kinds of mint. Well, we've got peppermint, we've got spearmint, and we've even got mojito mint. Now, last night, uh, we, we do a little thing the night before uh, just with our crew and getting everybody geared up. Okay, here's which stations you're going to be working and, and all that kind of stuff. We coordinate everything. And one of the guys had like a handful of a mint plant. And I'm, I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing with that? And he's like, uh, well, this is mojito mint. I'm like, yeah? He's like, yeah, I'm taking that home. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had anybody take anything home like that before, Brian. But, uh, you know, you, you look at all the different crops out there. I, I looked at some chickpeas that are just starting to put on pods last night. Uh, we've got rice. We've got... Uh, just a ton of different crops. So you would think, oh, you're going to see corn and soybeans and wheat. And of course, we've got those crops here too. But between sorghum and sunflowers and uh, and on and on and on, lentils, we got, we got a lot of different things here to see. We get a lot of questions too about just how much work it is to put the field day on. And I would tell you, we just have a fantastic group of people that help us. And so at 10 a.m. tomorrow, just as an example, we already have a meeting. We're starting planning for next year's field day. So we're, we're starting work for next year's field day already tomorrow. 
But anyway, uh, I, I was just going to tell you, so like Alex, our producer, he had a death in the family, would normally be gone, but he goes, Brian, I just, uh, this just happened a couple days ago. He's like, I got to work through the field day. I got to make sure we take care of stuff. Glenn, our, our research lead, I tell him all the time, Glenn, you don't have to kill yourself here. Just work six days a week like the rest of us, Monday through Saturday. No, nope, about half the time, Glenn's showing up on Sundays taking care of stuff at the field. Well, day. it was a good and spray day, Brian. I could, <laughs> right. I could finally get those weeds in that one crop that I was trying to get. Yep. And, and, and so my point is we just have a lot of fantastic people. We're just super lucky to be here in rural America and have all the great people that we do to be able to put on something like this. Because as you can see, there's a lot that goes into this. Well, we got two of those people uh, walking around with microphones right now. If you have a question, we definitely take them. Tom's over here, Ian's over there. Uh, just just raise your hand, you can ask a question. I know sometimes people get intimidated, Brian. They're like, I, I don't want to ask a dumb question or I don't want to ask one that seems too obvious. But you know what? Uh, we've got folks here from all over. We've got uh, young farmers. We've got guys that have farmed for... <laughs> 60 plus well, years. When you say the young farmers thing, we just had an event here recently, our scholars, uh, scouting and scholarships event a month ago. Uh, I don't remember how many scholarships would we give out, 50 or something scholarships. Anyway, uh, it, it was a lot of younger people and man, we had fantastic questions because a lot of them, they're used to being in school and not afraid to ask a question that somebody else might think it sounds dumb or whatever, but uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun when you get to see hundreds of younger people getting excited about agriculture and farming. And so Darren and I, uh, we grew up in the 1980s. Uh, I was in high school and in college in the 1980s. And, you know, the farm economy was really tough. And so there were a lot of our best people in agriculture went off to do something else. Well, today there's just tremendous opportunity in ag. So it's just, it's really exciting to see a lot of those young people coming back into agriculture. Well, you know, some of those questions, Brian, that we get asked now are, are about specific nutrients. And I know growing up, we looked at what, uh, well, I did anyway, looked at what the ration was for our livestock. I kind of got into that. And, uh, and it's amazing how that transfers over to uh, crop production as well. But looked at nutrients that way, didn't really look at much more than NP and K, I guess, on, on a lot of the crops in those days. Now we're soil sampling on a one acre basis across our farm. We're looking at all the micronutrients and secondary nutrients in addition to those primary nutrients. And it's changing the discussion. So we get so many questions now about uh, manganese or copper or, or zinc or, or some of these other nutrients that we're, we're finding, hey, can really make a difference with our tolerance to stresses during the season and certainly our productivity as well. So if you've got questions around nutrients or something like that, believe me, 99% of farmers are thinking the exact same thing and probably don't have an idea of exactly how many parts per million of manganese you need on a certain soil type. Well, I've got a lot to talk about today on, on the Ag PhD radio show because it's Ag PhD field day today. We'll be right back after this. Compromise is nice. 
if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we are broadcasting from the Ag PhD Field Day today. And Brian, it's a, a perfect weather day. I'm just watching cars roll in today in the morning. It's just been fantastic. And and you know, 70s for a high temperature for a day in July. That's amazing too. It's really pleasant to be outside. Yes, yes it is. I've been praying for about a year now that we would have decent weather for today, and we kind of lucked out. We got about a tenth of an inch of rain last night. so every, Big rain. That's a big yeah. rain for South Dakota, for <laughs> anybody here from so, another state. Settled, settled the dust down and, uh, and made it really nice out here today. So anyway, uh, today here at the field day, as you know, we've been talking about just a whole variety of different things. We've got a lot of great guest speakers uh, going throughout the day and everything. And anyway, we, we, for those of you who are here, we really, really appreciate you being here. Uh, we know many of you have driven a long ways, maybe some flew in, but, uh, but we do really appreciate it. It's, this is an event that we put on just once a year, and it takes a tremendous amount of effort to get all this done, but it's all worth it when, uh, when we get to go around and talk to people from, uh, from all over the country here at the field day. And the big thing for us, too, is just we're trying to, to get smarter all the time, do a better job farming, increase our yields and profits, and then do a great job with our land. So anyway, right, we uh, got a question right here, Brian. Let's take it. Gary from Minneapolis. What are some of the technologies that you're demonstrating today? Well, today we've got a, a large field demo area on the west end of the farm. There's going to be equipment running there throughout the day. And one of the things that's going to be unique to this year, we've never done this before at an Ag PhD field, is we're going to cut silage today. And that's yep. going to be kind of interesting to see. So we planted, you may say, wait a second, 
It's still July. I mean, I know next week is August, but this is a month before anybody would normally cut silage here. How can you do that? Well, we planted 75-day corn. So a lot of the silage corn in our area is 110-day, would you say, is probably average silage corn here? Yep, but I ran the math, and I told the guys, plant 75-day corn. We're going to have stuff ready for cutting silage. So uh, we got silage cutting going on. We've got a lot of autonomous equipment. That's really the biggest thing. And even our field back there was sprayed with an autonomous sprayer. It was supposed to get planted with an autonomous... Well, wait, did it get planted in the end? Uh, with the autonomous planter. Anyway, we've got a lot of this autonomous equipment running. Uh, you'll see some drones running throughout the show, but I mean, there's, we've got the world's largest combine here. There, there are a lot of different product releases from the equipment companies, but when, you, when we talk about technology, then a lot of times people, and especially for us as farmers, we immediately think about the equipment, but there's also this other side where you've got seed and crop protection and biologicals and all that. And so in your book, if you, get, if you happen to get one of the field day books, uh, on page 40 there, I think we've got all the different product premieres. Not, not that Brian knows this book inside and out. Not that he had to write about half of it, uh, proof all of it, uh, look through again and again and again. Yeah, on page 40, huh, Brian? I wonder how many oh. lines down that is that you're talking about here. You probably it's, know it's that too. It's page 40 and 41. <laughs> it's all the different product premieres that we have at the field day. So, so check that out. But yeah, there's a lot of, lot of great stuff here today. All right, Tom, go yep. ahead. Um, yeah, and if you could give us your first name and where you're from, that'd be great. I'm George from Ontario. We did have a little harder time getting home than we did coming here last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to tell them you're on a farm either. So anyway. <laughs> no, we, we notice, we always hear how dry it is up here, but driving the whole way up, we're just amazed how nice and green the grass is, uh, how good the crops look. Do you think the average yield is going to be above average um, for the U.S. this coming year? Ooh, for the whole country. Ooh, there's been, you know, that's always tough to guess. And that's one of the things I like about our field days, just talking to folks who have driven in from all different directions. I was talking to a couple from uh, St. Louis this morning, and they were saying how they got a massive rain down there, and I think it was heading through Kentucky today. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what those crops look like. Am I right about that? Yeah, and they're, they're sitting right behind you, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know nationwide how we're going to do. You know, we had some issues with planting earlier this year. Yep, there was delayed planting. Even, at, and at, even locally, you look on the north side of Sioux Falls where our farm is, uh, we're doing okay. South of Sioux Falls, it's been awfully dry for a lot of those guys. So Honestly, I, I think the yield probably will be just slightly above average. But the problem is there are a lot of unplanted acres and or acres that switch to other crops. And so the crop acres will probably not be quite what they originally thought, but I do think that the yield's going to be fairly good. It's just, obviously, we got an enormous country. There are areas where it, we got super dry, areas that are super wet. Um, we are definitely in the middle of that. And like, like for us, yeah, you look at our, our crops and you go, wow, they, they actually look really good. I can't believe it. We're in a two-year drought. We had a five-inch rain. We're going to talk about it a little bit out at the field day site. You can kind of see some of the damage that this five-inch rain cost. Uh, cost us, but uh, five inches in an hour. And that's really the only like big rain that we've had in almost two years. So it's crazy. And this just hit us uh, just over three weeks ago. So that's yeah, part so of So you look at the well, Ag PhD field day site and it rolls. There's rolling hills, right? Well, we had um, 
people out here just a few days after that rain, and we were up, I think we were on the 6th. Was it the 3rd that we had the rain? Or? No, it was the 5th. 5th? Okay, so we were, out on the, yeah, we were out on the 7th. We were digging, so two days later, and I was up on the hilltops here at the field day site, and I could dig in just a few inches, and it was powder dry. And we just had five inches of rain. How can that be? But then you go in the low areas, and it was a little muddy. So, yeah, in the lows where the water was for a little longer. Uh, well, the only good news is in. the cracks were so wide in some of our ground that the rain had to run in. It had no other place to go. But, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I think our genetics are really good today. We've got better farming practices than we had even just a few years ago. So there are a lot of reasons why I think our yield is probably still going to be pretty good. But, boy, it has been a battle for a lot of farmers, like, like us in particular. I mean, I, I, we're going to talk about this at a lot of our winter meetings. But I've, I've, So South Dakota State University has a weather station just right outside uh, the Morton Center here to the west. And so they right record... Right over by that beautiful red equipment, Brian? So every five, every five minutes, they record... He's not taking the bait. They record the soil temp four inches down, and then they've got deeper soil temps too. But at four inches, so not just at two where you'd plant, but at four inches deep, uh, we were into the end of May, and we were still getting a lot of soil temps that were down below 50 degrees. Even, uh, I know there were three days in a row where the soil temp was down below 40 degrees in late May for us. Now, in Canada, I can understand that. Uh, Maybe not even in on, North Dakota. Not in Ontario, no, Brian. Ontario is actually in about the exact same track as we are <laughs> for, for maturities that we're planting and for GDUs and those types of things. Yep. It, it dips a lot further south than most people realize. But the point is we had a much colder spring than normal, and so it was just it was frustrating, and a lot of people were complaining about their corn and their soybeans. We had a lot of replants that we wouldn't normally have in this geography here. We got a, there's pretty severe drought down in Nebraska, uh, and then we had flooding in North Dakota. So it's just, uh, it, it's been an interesting year. Yeah, it sure has. It's hard to guess how, how things are going to turn out, but I guess our first indication here will be when we chop some silage. Now, we planted 75-day corn, so the ears on there are not quite as impressive as the full-season corn well, is going our, to be. Well, our first indication was the oats. So every year at our, at our parking lot area and our field demo area, we put a small grain crop in. We were putting wheat in, winter wheat in for a few years. And what it was happening is we raised so much wheat uh, throughout the plots here. And then we were raising winter wheat in the fall. We had mite issues and the mites had moved from the field day site into the field demo area in the parking lot area. And they just keep going back and forth and the mite populations grew. So we said, well, we got to end that up. So we quit planting winter wheat out in the parking lot area. Now we plant oats there uh, for the last probably three years now. And anyway, with that oats crop, I will just tell you it was average at best. So probably even slightly below average. But we were super hot in June, and small grains like a little bit cooler weather. Well, it's been kind of fun, too, raising some oats again, because that's, that's a really it nice... It hasn't been that fun, Darren, nice because it doesn't make as much money as corn or soybeans. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> whose ground this is. <laughs> He's trying to maximize profitability here. Uh, we'll, we'll get to more of your questions here coming up. We're going to take a short break. Uh, but, but yeah, getting into that uh, oats crop, it's been nice because we raise it for a cover crop. So we utilize that oat seed uh, that we're raising right here in the parking lot around the Ag PhD field day site as cover crop following our corn silage crop that we'll be harvesting hopefully in another month. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio today. We're at the Ag PhD field day, and we'll be right back after this.
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 240 applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Ag PhD Field Day today. Got a beautiful day and uh, a great crowd here. And we're taking some questions from our audience uh, for today's program. Uh, go ahead. Let's take our next question. Yeah, I'm Ron Braun from Gooding, Idaho. And I was wondering what you did with your oats. Did you green shop them or do you thrash them? Okay, so for our oats, uh, our 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 dream every year is to straight cut whatever small grain crop we have. But as you can imagine, we had to lay it down and then we came back a few days later and picked it up. So anyway, uh, we did harvest the oats. We've got the oat seed and then we leave in our parking lot area the straw out there. So we didn't touch the straw, didn't bale it up. The reason why we do that is because we're always worried about if we get a big rain, we don't want to have a muddy mess. And so when you compare our field day 
to some of these other farm shows out there, this is an actual field. This is our farm. And so we are raising crops out here. And we like having that oat straw if we have bigger rains so then we don't have all that mud out there. At a lot of other farm shows, they'll have alfalfa. And whenever they have a rain and then you're supposed to go park, it's just it's terrible mud. And so I hate that. So that's the reason why we leave all that straw out there. Now, being from Idaho, plus, I'm sure plus you're familiar Bri with fires. Plus, Brian likes to build organic matter in his yep. soil. He's like, I don't want to take any of the residue off right. there. This is important to me. And you notice it as you walk across the grounds. Now, we've got tons of traffic today, uh, really everywhere, foot traffic. But you notice a lot of the ground has some cushion to it, has some give. And it's been a result of, of building organic matter. How long have we owned this ground here, Brian? I know we farmed it. We farmed it for a while. Dad, Dad, thirty-four years. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we've, we've owned this ground for thirty-four years. But anyway. we've been been working on building organic matter up over the years and and trying to to make the soil as good as we could. Yep. But anyway, with with the oats, then uh, what we do is we do worry about fire risk every year. That's something. That's why I, I'm always praying for. Can I? Can we just get a tenth of an inch the night before? And sure enough, we did last night. But anyway. Uh, if we are that worried about it and it's absolutely bone dry, we'll just go till it all up and you'll be parking on black dirt some year when you arrive here. But, but in our field demo area, we do bale the straw up there and then we'll use some of that straw throughout the field day site. Uh, and w the reason why we want that straw baled up over there in the field demo area is it's a little easier to show you planting and, and just some of the field operations that we would do. So anyway, just about everything that, I mean, even some minor detail, asking us about our parking lot, I can give you a whole list of reasons why we do things and, and the backup plan that we'll have in, just in case, okay, we have this weather or we have this weather, we, we change things around. All right, one thing that you'll notice too, we've got soybeans in, a, in many of the soybean fields as you drove in are, are now fully canopied. And this is the time where we talk a lot about white mold. We talk quite passionately about white mold because that's been a real challenge for, for soybean growers in this area. And, you know, the question now is, all right, well, now you're catching a little bit of rain. You've got rows that are canopied. Is that a good enough environment for white mold to get started? Now, you mentioned, Brian, we've been dry for the last two years. But could we still have white mold? Absolutely. Underneath that crop canopy, one of the great things about crop canopy is shading out weeds, but the other thing is just shading the ground to try to hold any moisture that we do get. So a nice little shot of rain like we caught here uh, yesterday, that might be enough moisture to get some of those mushrooms to start. Believe it or not, the last few years in July and August, we've actually been more humid than Miami, Florida. So when you think about Miami, it's like, oh, tropical climate and everything. Well, uh, we, we've got corn. Yeah. Corn so, does respiration. Say, Ian, we got a question right over there if you want to run your mic over. But yeah, we do have that humidity, and that's one of the big things that mushrooms need to get growing, and that's where white mold gets started from is mushrooms. My name's Tanner, and I'm from Pomeroy in southeast Washington. Uh, we grow primarily wheat and canola, so what do you have today for wheat? Well, uh, quite a few things actually, starting with seed treatments. Uh, there are a number of new seed treatments now that are coming out for small grains. Uh, one that you may ask the folks in the BASF booth about is Taraxa. Have you used Taraxa yet for, for the wireworms? 
Uh, that, that one's really exciting. That's been out now just for a little bit, uh, but it's starting to get some more widespread acceptance. Uh, when we think about the different fungicides getting used there too, we're seeing more of the SDHI class of fungicides now starting to go into some of these seed treatments and with some of the tough diseases that we've got in small grain, especially like in your area where it's a lot of continuous cereals, uh, that's going to be a big deal. Are, are you guys tilling or are you in no-till now? No-till. Yeah, and that, that is also another thing that's adding to the disease challenge. I love it, especially in your area with some of the slopes you guys farm, which I don't, it's got to be tough being a young farmer in that part of the world to finally get trusted to run. I think everybody that I've talked to that runs a combine out there has a story about, well, there was this one time that I got lucky and uh, didn't have a bad accident. So, I mean, that's, it's a tough area to farm in. But, but you think about no-till and what a difference that can make on those slopes. That's great for holding the soil in place, but it also uh, gives a home for some of the diseases to be a little bit tougher. So we found with reduced till in our state, we see more insects and more diseases in those soils. It starts with a good seed treatment to try to protect yourself. So our research lead, Glenn, plants all our plots here, and we do research in several different states. But you'll, you don't just see corn and soybeans here. You're going to see a number of different crops. I'm looking straight out outside the big door there, and I see sunflowers blooming. But we do have canola in several of the different plots, so we are looking at a number of things There's in canola. There's lentils here too. I know they're, yep. they're not too far from you guys yep. also. And, uh, and anyway, in terms of wheat, we got a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, Darren mentioned seed treatment, but it's herbicide, it's fungicide, insecticide. Naturals. Yep, yep, biologicals or naturals as we call them. And then even the fertility discussion. So got a lot of different things. And, and one of the big things, too, that I always tell people, when you come to the field day, you're going to run into farmers from all over the place. So we've already taken questions from all over the United States and, uh, and, and one, from one Canadian farmer already today here in the show. But my point is just ask around a little bit. And when you're over in the, by some of the wheat plots, guess who else is going to be looking at wheat plots? Other wheat farmers. And you start asking questions. Hey, have you had this problem? Or have you used any of this new herbicide? Or have you tried this over here? So that's one of the biggest things for me over the years. It's just quite frankly asking a lot of farmers, hey, what are you, what are you trying? What are you using? What's working for you? And then kind of going from there. Well, and you look at on the fungicide uh, side of the business too, Brian, with wheat crop, we've got multiple mode of action fungicides now. We've got some really powerful ones that are labeled, uh, whether it's the Miravis Ace product or you look at what's happened with uh, Persaro and how we've got Persaro Pro now and some of the different things. So yeah, we've got, got some powerful tools. If, you, if you've been doing things exactly the same way as you were for the last five years in wheat, uh, there's a lot of new technology that, that you'll see out there. Yeah, so it is pretty exciting, and of course there is all there are all the equipment things and everything else. Oh, the we got spray here, controls. So. There's yeah. a couple of really cool launches that uh, the Pentair folks are going to have, and not too long later this morning, uh, they're going to launch a couple new individual spray nozzle control systems that they've got that are really neat. So yeah, lot, lots of stuff going on. Uh, and then you think about on the fertility piece, uh, are you guys using liquid? Yeah, I see a lot of liquid out in, in your neck of the woods, and, and uh, I know from the liquid fertilizer folks, uh, there are some new things, too, that they're doing uh, on the sulfur side and the micronutrient side. We've, the uh, Micro 1000 product that AgriLiquid's got is one that is addressing some of the micros that really haven't been addressed before in, in a, a complete blended liquid solution that can go right in with your P&K, which is kind of nice, too. So, yeah, lots of, lots of new technology out there. 
Yep, but it is kind of fun for us to being able to look at a lot of different crops. And I realize, like, you're going to walk out there and you're going to see rice and some of these crops that, quite frankly, they're never going to get grown in South Dakota. But uh, Well, they are here uh, <laughs> right. with a lot of extra care and work to make it happen. Yep, we've been the largest cotton farmers in the state of South Dakota for a long time as well. But, you know, it's just little plots, and, but we do get to try some new things, and so it is kind of fun. And just even being able to see some crops that you wouldn't normally see. So like out, out in your area, I, I mean, some guys will raise chickpeas. Well, nobody raises chickpeas within 500 miles of here. So last night we were bringing some agronomists through our plots and one of the agronomists is like, man, oh, this is what chickpeas look like. And boy, I, I, that's kind of interesting. And so you see some stuff here that you're not going to see in a typical uh, southeast South Dakota farm. Well, and, and uh, uh, the chickpeas are actually featured with a company that has a, a herbicide solution, Tough. Is actually labeled in chickpeas and does a really nice job on pigweed and some of the other tough broadleaf weeds to fight. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. And that, that's the fun part about this field day is getting out and exploring. And when you see a crop that you don't even know what it is, uh, ask somebody about it because there's going to be some people excited to talk to you. We're broadcasting from the Ag PhD field day today, and we'll be right back after this. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. Make 13% beans possible with 13% off all end zone bend systems from FarmShop MFG. Sale in soon, so go to FarmShopMFG.com to order today. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it 
depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Ag PhD Field Day. What a beautiful day we've got. Brian, we had to go into the overflow parking out there, but that's kind of a nice thing when you do a field day on your own farm. You can set up for those kinds of things. And see, that's why I always encourage Brian, we need more acres of oats, Brian, more acres of oats for next year. Well, it is great, Darren, except for the fact that about 5 o'clock this morning, the cars started whizzing past my house, waking me up at about 5. But, you know, other than that, it's all uh, I think fantastic. it's perfect. <laughs> I think it's perfect. So when you go by Brian's house, just honk so that he knows that, uh, you're coming to the field. Especially early in the morning or late th- at night. Maybe, you know? maybe the sign will be honk three <laughs> times, then he knows you're coming to field day. That would be a good sign. All right. So, again, I'm Brian Hefty, and that's my brother Darren. We're super happy that you've joined us here. We do have a live audience, and if you've got a question for us, just raise your hand. Uh, Ian right here has got a microphone. He'll run around and, uh, and catch you with the mic, and you can ask your question. So we've been doing this field day for around 20 years. We've been doing our television show. We've actually done a brand new half-hour TV show every week for 24 and a half years. 24 and a half years every single week. So, you know, a lot of people ask what it's like to work in a family business, and I think we're all familiar with well, that as Brian farmers. Is, but, Brian uh, considers himself <laughs> the luckiest man alive, and I, I know my wife sometimes says, man, you get more time with Brian than you get with me, and I don't know why Brian got so lucky, but... Sometimes you just, it just works out that way. Uh, I will say this, though, Brian. We got a question that, that we were out in the plots, and I had a farmer that asked me this. He said, would you guys please address this on the radio? He said, timing of side dress. He said, I've got a heggy. I can get in there on taller corn, but I'm just wondering when is the right time. He said, we're dryland farmers. We don't know when it's going to rain. And he said, I've always tried to get in there on the early side, right. hoping that we would catch some rain. But he said, I'm also hearing these guys talking about putting it on later and influencing test weight a little bit more and ear fill and all those kinds of things. He said, it's kind of tough getting all the pre-side dress nitrate tests and stuff pulled early because yep. we're so busy. So what, what do you think about timing well, on Well, Darren, it's dress? a really easy answer. You just can't ever have your crop run short on nitrogen for a single day. So we all know when it's going to rain next, of course, and so we just Never? have to put the nitrogen on right before that, and we're good to go. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> that, so, that is the tough uh, thing. No, now, seriously, uh, on our farm, and I mean, the crops look good and everything, and so you say, boy, you guys must have had all kinds of rain. And so, no, we have had very, very, very little rain this year, but we have pretty heavy soils. So in a situation like ours, where it's very common for us to go two to four weeks with no rain, we have to be really careful about what we're doing with side dress. So for example, when we were doing our side dress stuff, there was a two-week period where we had zero rain, and I mean zero. So I said, guys, this is not looking good. There's no rain in the forecast. We're going to put our nitrogen out with coulters this year. Didn't want to do it. It's slower, but we did it that way. So that way the nitrogen was down in the ground. So then when it eventually did rain, all the nitrogen was still there. 
So we have drug hoses before, used wide drops, done a lot of things where the nitrogen has been left on the soil surface, and then you're just you're, you're at risk for that loss. So that's our concern there. And again, we don't want that crop to ever run short on nitrogen at all through the growing season. So in our dry land situation, we just always want to be early rather than late. Plus, we have heavy soil. So our soils will hold a tremendous amount of nitrogen anyway. All right, again, if you've got a question, just raise your hand, raise your hand up high, and uh, Ian or Ben, it looks like, will uh, we'll run around to you with the microphone. So we, we've talked to a lot of people from all over the United States. Had, uh, I've talked to a few people from Canada so far today. Been a lot of fun. All right, the other topic, Brian, I wanted to get into is short-statured corn. Uh, when we were out in the plots, had a lot of questions around that. Hey, have you got some short-statured corn? Do you think we're going to give up yield if instead of 10-foot-tall corn, we get 6- or 7-foot-tall corn? Do you anticipate harvest problems, those types of things? We do have uh, the smart corn system that Bear is marketing, the, uh, the shorter-statured corn, and you see a number of those hybrids out in the field. I know we're a little bit early to really tell what's the yield going to be necessarily in those crops, but I'll say this. I've been in a lot of these research plots uh, for years now that the breeders have been working on, and one of the things that we found is we've gotten this 10-foot, 12-foot tall corn is we're having more green snap. We're having more lodging issues, and we also have such a high nutrient demand to have good stock quality, and we talk about this a lot, that when you're going to have a 12-foot tall stock, think about how much potassium that needs versus a 6-foot tall stock. And when we've got dry land farming, we've got heavy, tight soils like the ones that we farm, this makes a lot of sense for me. The crop can't pull enough K out in that rapid growth time for the corn. So if we've got shorter statured corn, I like it for a lot of reasons. And you'll like it when you see it out here in the field too. It looks really good. Well, Darren talks about our heavy, tight soils can't pull enough K out. We just we overcome that by just putting more potassium out there. I was talking to a farmer that had a lodging issue a few years ago, and apparently I talked to him then about how much K you needed in the soil. He put more K out there. He goes, yep, that solved my lodging issue. So anyway, it's, it's really important when you're looking at planting population, you say, I want to go more plants per acre. You've got to make sure you have enough K out there. Otherwise, lodging is definitely a concern. All right, so uh, we'll get to our uh, next question here. Just get, if you could, give us your first name and maybe where you're from. We'd appreciate that. Uh, John from Nebraska. Can you comment on humic uh, acid with uh, fungicide treatment on soybeans? Any ideas, recommendations? Dry land and irrigated Nebraska. Yep. Okay, great question. Uh, we, we get a lot of questions around humic acid and fulvic acid, and in every humic acid, there is a fulvic component. We actually use a product that has taken out the humic and just gone with the fulvic, uh, and that's a little smaller um, particle size, and what we're seeing with that fulvic acid is it is driving that fungicide in a little better. We're seeing better performance when we put a, a fulvic acid with our, our product. The so humic costs a little bit more money, and we don't think that humic portion is making the difference. The fulvic with is the, what's really driving the, the train there. Yeah, not making the difference with the foliar fungicides. We use humics more when we're talking about soil-type treatments. But this is one of the things that we picked up from some of the high-yield farmers that have been here on our farm over the last 10 years and speaking. So we, we say this often, and this is part of the reason why we do the Ag PhD Field Day too, is to hopefully connect you with a few other farmers out there from around the country and around the world and learn from them. That's what we've tried to do in our operation. Just talk to a lot of different farmers and said, all right, what's working for you? How are you making this work better? We're struggling with this. How, what do you do with that? And that fulvic thing is something we picked up from some other people. 
We've tried that. It's, it's actually worked. So we're putting that in every single time we're using a fungicide. Now, you get some people that uh, they're really skeptical of Humix and Fulvix, and I'm not saying that, this, that Humix and Fulvix are the greatest thing ever, but certainly with fungicide, Fulvic has, has proven to be very good. Yep, great question. We get a lot of questions around that. At our field day this year, uh, we've got a natural section. It's toward the, the uh, far right-hand end as you look out the doors here on, on the plot row. We've got a bunch of experts over there. We actually have uh, probably the best guy that we know on Humix and Fulvix uh, down in a tent at that end. So if you get a chance to check out that naturals area, uh, there, there's some really good guys down there to visit with as well. Yeah, and that is one of the things that's a little bit different compared to, like when Darren and I were growing up on the farm, we basically talked about weeds, and then we talked about weeds again and more weeds. Now, that's maybe right. that's because Dad threw us out in the field all the time with either a hoe well, that or was Well, that was our evening entertainment, gloves. is we'd get done with supper, and Dad would say, hey, boys, jump in the pickup, let's go check some crops. And we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And they'd say, ooh, is that a sunflower out there? Why don't you guys run and grab that? And then as we're running out into the field... He'd yell out the window, hey, I'll be back in just a little bit. I see a few more over the hill. Why don't you grab them too? And that was, that was his idea of let's have a fun evening. And we just kind of hoped. We're like, man, we're a few miles from home. Hopefully it comes back and gets us at some point here. But, yeah, that, that was our fun, and that's why we have the weed of the week, I think, because we grew up just not liking weeds at all. And, in fact, uh, our sister Janelle, her, her son Ian is running around here at the microphone, uh, Janelle said her most common nightmare as a child was walking in a bean field and turning around in her dreams and seeing a big milkweed staring at her from behind. And she, she said, man, milkweed, I just hate that weed. So anyway, we grew up uh, fighting weeds all the time. Well, now we're talking way more about diseases. We're talking a lot about insects. And then we get to the fertility discussion, much bigger than it's ever been before because our yields are a lot higher. We have a lot more demand. And then we start talking about these biologicals and naturals, and so we, we, we continue to do a lot of research on that. You saw some of the stuff that we're doing out in the plots, but we have research on biologicals and naturals in several different states around here, so it's, it's been kind of fun learning with all that. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get back to more of your questions coming up right after this. We're at the Ag PhD Field Day. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're going to talk just a little bit about some of the things that, that we're seeing at the Field Day this year, give you a little bit of feedback on that, and answer those questions too. Stay tuned. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're, we're back. We're broadcasting from the Ag PhD Field Day. One day a year, Brian, we do this field day, and we often get asked, why don't you do the field day for multiple days? You have a, quite a big crowd there. Maybe it'd be good to do this several days. Yep, I think it would probably kill me. So <laughs> it just takes tremendous energy. And hopefully, when so for all of our attendees here, it, you have experienced... Uh, a lot of warmth, friendliness, everything else. I, I always tell our workers, we have a lot of volunteers, a lot of employees, but I mean, it takes a, a tremendous team to run this whole thing. And I just always tell them, look, for at least nine hours of the one day field day, please be the happiest, smiliest, friendliest person that I've ever met. So hopefully that's what you are experiencing today. But we just want you to have a great time when you're here and it's a lot more fun when everybody is happy. And I'll say this, I'm, I'm a lot more happy when I've got pretty good commodity prices and good potential for yield, and we're looking at a lot of those things this summer. Do we have a question in the back there? Yep, go ahead. Dave from Wisconsin. With a really nice IH hat on, too. I like <laughs> that hat, Dave. Yep. Thanks a lot, yep. Uh, my question would be, like, the feasibility or the possibility of applying fungicide or the Fulvix on corn through a center pivot? The challenge we have spraying things through the, the pivot or any type of irrigation is just how much water is going to be with that. So when you stop and think about it for just a second, it's roughly an acre inch is roughly 27,000 gallons of water. So if I went around as fast as I could with that pivot and put on a tenth of an inch, that's still 2,700 gallons of water. Well, most of the time when we're spraying fungicides, we want 15 to 20 gallons of water. So when we start taking that times 100, 
um, it, it, the, the dilution is just so great that a lot of stuff's going to end up in the ground. So with pivots, we really like fertilizer. That's great. Uh, even insecticide will work fairly well most of the time. But when it comes to fungicide, that's the concern that we have. It's just going to get too diluted down. Too much is going to run off and not stay in that plant. So you'd have tremendous coverage, but the problem is you just wouldn't have good enough concentration. So that, that's the real concern. Now, if you wanted to apply, let's say, a humic to your soil, you could certainly do that. But what we're using the fulvics for more than anything, like we said, is to help get stuff into that plant and deliver it down into the plant. So... Yep, a little bit different, and no, we just don't typically recommend any fungicide go through the pivot. I don't know if we can answer this next question, because I'm betting Chad's going to ask us, how do we make it rain on dry land farms? But go ahead, Chad, we'll give you a shot. So my question is, uh, I'm Chad Nelson from Viberg. Um, That's South Dakota, by the way. Yeah, southeast, <laughs> 60 miles southeast, Turner County, home of the five-foot-tall corn. So this two years in a row, we're in basically dealing with drought, and... We're going to take silage off of about probably around another 1,000 acres. Yep. And I'm concerned on K levels and how much are we really taking? I mean, we don't want to take it, but if yeah, there's nothing to really shot oh, to get there's no income. ear to take, yep. get rid of it, right? Uh, you're saying how much K is going to leave your field because you took the silage off. So is it off green. a dry matter basis when you're taking tonnage off? Like you say one ton is equal to X, Y, Z of K Okay, so here's the thing. Anytime you're going to take stuff off your field, you can do analysis of that too if you wanted to. So when that silage is chopped, you can, you can test it, see how much K is actually in there and how much you're losing. Otherwise, we do have the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app, and what that's going to tell you is how much K it takes to produce the grain, and we know that's all gone. That's going in your silage, obviously. And then it's going to tell you how much K it takes to produce the stover. Now, how much of that K is still in the stover is the question. Because what can happen sometimes is when we get late in the season, if you luck out and get some rain before this silage comes, uh, gets cut, then some of the K actually can flush out of the plant and go into the ground. And, but we don't know for sure when it's cut, how much is in the roots, how much is left out in the field versus how much went away. So usually the guys that are cutting silage, they get manure back, and that's part of the reason why is to replace some of that K. Because when you look at even a half a crop, it, it still takes a lot of K out of your fields when we're talking about corn. Um, I, I, I'd say, too, we, we really want to look at not just parts per million that you're going to have in your soil, but look at your base saturation percentage and look at what your ratio is of potassium to calcium and magnesium because that makes a big difference. I know it certainly has for our farm. So I don't have an exact answer for you on what that's going to be, but I can just tell you this. If you've suffered from drought for a couple of years, we've got a couple of things going on. One, we've had a fair amount of heat, and so there's been a lot of organic matter mineralization. So some of the other nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus and sulfur that will mineralize out of your organic matter, those are probably going to be at higher levels than you will normally see. I know like last fall on our farm when we tested, we had a lot of fields that were 100 to even 300 pounds of nitrogen left to go into the next year. So usually around here, a lot of people want to rotate corn and beans, but we just said, oh man, I'm not going to let 200 pounds of nitrogen just go up in the or you know, just get used by my soybeans. We're putting corn back on that same field. So that's one of the things. Uh, the, the other big thing here is when you've got that, that dry weather and you're suffering on yield, you just aren't pulling as much K out of that soil. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not good. It's frustrating when we see these great commodity prices and we go, man, if I can just get even an average crop, I'm going to have maybe a record year on my farm. But, you know, we're dealing with a little bit of that ourselves. We've got some sandy spots, fortunately not a lot, but we've got a little bit of sand on our farm that's going to be zero. I could see it already a month ago. It is going to be zero. So fortunately, a lot of our stuff looks like what you have at the field day here. We've got pretty heavy soil. And we've gotten just enough rain to get by. So yeah, sorry, we, we feel for you. We'll, uh, we'll work on it's, praying for some tough, rain for right? you in addition to good weather for the field day here for next year. Yeah, but I just talked to another farmer that's about 10 miles down the road from where Chad's at, and he said they've had seven-tenths of an inch since May 25th, and they caught two-tenths of it last night. <laughs> so not much. Yep, and, and even for us, we mentioned this as we were going through the plots, but we had a five-inch rain here in an hour. The record in Sioux Falls, the all-time record going back 130 years of recorded history for a 24-hour period is 5.07 inches. We had 5.2 inches in an hour here. So you think about how, how much that ran off, and it's sad because we got a couple of watershed dams here that hold water back from the Big Sioux River bottom. I mean, they were just about plumb full overnight, and it's like, Well, you'll man, notice it when if, you head back down the road here, for anybody yeah. that's here in person, when you head back down the road to the highway, and you look towards the right-hand side, and you see that dam to the north just past the church, there's, there's dead corn, there's dead grass. I yep. mean, it, it was quite a storm. But if we would have had that over even a three-day period, I mean, it would have been just fine. But, you know, that's the way it goes. It's, uh, that's the fun of farming. All right, uh, any other questions? Anybody got a question for us quick? Otherwise, we're, uh, we're just about to wrap things up here today uh, with our radio show. We've got a lot of other activities here at the Ag PhD Field Day, a lot of great guest speakers that, that we've got here at the Morton Center and then at all those different tents out there. So if you look on your uh, little we have an, a field day map, and on the back side of that map, there is an agenda, and that tells all the remaining activities we have for the day. Quick question, Greg from Nebraska. What's your thoughts on the spray, sea and spray technology with the 36 cameras on a 120-foot boom and the future of that, pros and cons? Yeah, I just, I just was talking to uh, uh, a farmer that also does custom application, and he said he's been working with that technology for four years now. And uh, I, I said, how big a difference did you see? And he goes, well, he goes, you got to have the right expectations because he said it wasn't that we necessarily utilized less nitrogen. We just put more here and less there. Well, and he said, so our, our overall savings was, if you were saying, well, I got to save money, I got to not use a bunch of fertilizer, he goes, I wouldn't say it was much. It was, I forget what he said, 30 gallons on a certain amount of acres they were doing. But he said, you put more where you needed it. So from a yield standpoint, he goes, I didn't see the yields. I was the sprayer guy, but it was pretty encouraging that it was now, moving it around. Just it so going. we're clear, are we talking about the nitrogen thing? Or are we talking about the weeds? Yeah, I, oh, that's I'm what sorry. I thought. I'm sorry. They're, they're we different technology. The yeah, but I mean, sometimes they get called the same thing. So uh, that's sensing greenness. If you're out there sensing weeds and you're going to spray that with a contact killer, that's fine. But I think about a lot of the herbicides we use in the farm anymore, they have residual. And I'm not just spraying for today, I'm spraying to give myself residual in the future. So that's why even like what John Deere's got here, they've got two different uh, uh, tanks, basically. So they'll probably be spraying the residual herbicide across the whole field and adding the extra killer where they, they see the weed right now. So that's, I mean, I think that's a smart way to go. We'll, we'll find out once that gets tested on millions of acres as opposed to just some, but it's interesting. Yeah, it'll be fun, you know, and for, uh, for the soybean growers like yourself, 
uh, taking a look at some of these tough weeds. I know you got Palmer and other things coming into your area. Uh, that, that could be pretty fun technology to use. And honestly, that's one of the reasons we like doing this field day so much is we get all this new technology right here, a chance to talk about it, a chance to have a lot of these experts on our farm as well. Well, thank you so much today uh, to our live audience here that's been listening to our, our radio program. And thanks to you at home. And please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.